0: Hey everybody! Welcome back to Giant Talk, the world's first OKR podcast. I hope you're all well and maybe starting to transition out of lockdown now, depending on where you are in the world. Um, but I hope you're well and safe either way. So, really excited to have um, Roger Longdon, founding Giant of Derby Giants, back with me today. Hey, Roger. Hey, hey, Lawrence. Um, I'm sure most of you are familiar with with Roger by now, but. Also very excited to have alongside us Bart Den Haak from Moving the Needle. So Bart is is also an OKR consultant. Based in Amsterdam, I believe, Bart.
1: Yeah, that's correct.
0: Fantastic. So thanks for thanks for joining us today, Bart.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: Uh, do you want to start just by telling us, you know, a little bit about yourself and, and what you do?
1: Yeah, so very briefly. So um, I have a strong software development background for the past 20 years. And um, Uh, working with OKRs for the past 10 years. And I was uh, really excited, getting really excited about OKRs. So um, what I'm currently doing is uh, consulting companies, especially technology companies, SaaS companies, with the combination of technology uh, and OKRs.
0: Fantastic. Okay, so um, what we're going to be talking about today is actually the biggest mistakes that Roger and Bart have seen where the, the clients have made with OKRs and the other organizations have made with OKRs in the hope that you can avoid them, basically, and you can feed <laughs> their advice um, and, and you know, implement better in the future. So we'll jump straight into it, I think, with um, Bart. What's your third biggest mistake that you see organizations making with OKRs?
1: The third, I believe, is... Um... Something called setting and forgetting OKRs.
0: Okay, so what do you mean by that?
1: So what I mean with that is that um, companies transition from not having goal setting at all or do some annual goal setting and they jump to OKRs and they think like, oh, this quarterly cadence, this 90 days cadence is, is, um, will, will improve us. Um, but again, they make the same mistake. So at the beginning of the quarter, they set OKRs. And then at the end of the quarter, they're going to evaluate them and and then they find out that nothing happens. So this is what is (laughs) meant with set and forget. So they said in the beginning, they said OKRs with all good intentions. And at the end of the quarter, they evaluate and nothing happens.
2: It's almost like they kind of expect that just by writing their goals in an OKR way that it's just going to everything's just going to change. It's be be like a magic wand, (laughs) yeah, (laughs) isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I know. I've seen that plenty of times. Um, And what I find is that people just don't give um, real thought as to how they are actually going to use the goals once they've got them. How they're going to use the OKRs once they've got them. It was like you say, typically they've been just used to maybe setting them on an annual cycle and they inevitably don't get looked at until probably month 11 when they're trying to work hard to make sure that they fit everything and it's a bit late by then if they're if they're falling short on anything
0: right so this is all about habits and routines and conversations around okrs is it then
2: Yeah, yeah 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 i would say so definitely definitely
0: Okay, interesting, right? I mean, that is definitely a, a topic that we've spoken about before on the podcast, but it, it's always worth hitting home. And um, I think you both hit the nail on the head there when you said you can't just write down your goals as an OKR and then you know expect the magical things are happen around them. You've actually got to put in a little bit of effort as well, right? With with your staff and the teams to make sure progress is being made all the way through the
2: quarter. Yeah, yeah indeed, that's that's yeah. right, definitely. Okay. You, need
1: to keep them, you need to keep them alive. So a lot of companies ask me, like, how do, how would, how do we keep them alive? You know, you say that set and forget is not, not, not good enough. So how do you keep them alive? How do you keep people engaged during the quarter, during those 90 days in OKRs?
0: Yeah, yeah. And, and so how do you? I mean, maybe this brings us on actually to your third, uh, third biggest <laughs> mistake, Roger, that you've seen organizations make.
2: Yes, yes. I mean, it's it, it's absolutely because we've seen uh, you know clients um, years ago do exactly this. You know, they write their OKRs and in, in, in or write their goals in an OKR way, and then just expect things to change. We put a lot of work in before any OKR writing is actually done to design the OKR framework, which is going to work for them, so that they've actually got something to. Kind of plug the OKRs into, if you will, once uh, once they've written them and they're live. So that I mean, I mean, if you if you peel it back, it, it, it there there are elements of organisational design in there. Uh, there are some very straightforward uh, decisions which need to be made uh but if not if left if left to assumption can actually cause a lot of confusion like ex- who exactly is using okrs mm-hmm. um and how will we use them and what does best practice look like and what do check-ins look like and so on and so forth and all those yeah. sorts of things and uh without that a uh, really really important step it, 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 you just are leaving it up to the interpretation of the managers and the teams as to how they should should use them. And then you end up with inconsistent levels of progress throughout the quarter. If indeed any progress at all, like, like you were just saying, Bart, you can very easily end up with just set and forget. Uh, so, yeah, this is why we take the intentional step of, of doing that that piece of design work up front.
0: And there's something in there as well,
2: actually, about you know communicating
0: to the rest of the organisation exactly why they're they're introducing OKRs.
2: Mm, yeah, absolutely. It's the start of the change management journey, really. Uh, and you know, change management is something which can, if if missed or overlooked or mismanaged, can kill OKRs stone dead. Mm. Because people can make the assumptions when they, you know, as you were saying, Bart, you know, if they've used them in. Annual goal setting in the past often that's been in relation to performance management uh, and uh, personal objectives, which often are used to appraise and assess people. So as soon as they hear the term objective, they often think, mm, "How's this going to affect my pay?" Mm. Um, and so that and that's quite a powerful concern. <laughs> if you don't address it, it can very easily. Start to build up resistance and 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 destabilize any activity that you're trying to do to focus on OKRs. So there's a there's a lot of communication and change management which needs to happen with OKRs.
0: Have you had experience of that as well, Bart?
2: Yeah, definitely.
1: Yeah, yeah. So you see a lot of organizations new to OKRs turn in their well, basically their business as usual goals into OKRs mm. and but just converting them in in that in in this OKR template will not magically solve all the problems. And um, organizations should, should be aware why they hire OKRs, for what purpose. Um, yeah. uh, and otherwise, why, why, why introduce OKRs in the first place? Yeah? So I think what you just said already is like, um, very clear, communicate to everybody in the organization. Why are you using OKRs? What do you want to achieve with them? Um, and why they're different from the normal goals.
0: Yeah, okay. And and that actually is a very nice segue again into kind of your number two mistake, isn't it, Bart, which is actually about writing the wrong OKRs and setting the wrong OKRs within the organization.
1: Yeah, indeed. Yeah. So you see a lot of organizations turning their business as usual goals into into OKRs. And then they're still output focused. Um Uh, uh, not really about outcomes um they're hard to measure um that results in having difficulties um, updating them on a weekly basis in your OKR check-ins because of course that is uh what what uh helps you um against the set and forget um but it is very difficult to check in weekly on OKRs that are poorly written so yeah so Definitely, number two mistake is, is, uh, is setting the wrong OKRs. Mm. Um, and as a result, if, if you have too many business usual goals, you see um, a lot of goals that are the same. They're all about increasing revenue, um, mm. increased sales, um, uh, reduced costs. They're all the same, but that doesn't change your company.
0: Yeah. I mean, a lot of it boils down to that, but it's not exactly going to tell you how to reach those things, is it?
1: Exactly. Yeah. And I think you
0: mentioned, go on, sorry.
1: Yeah, sorry. Yeah. So those are the things that you're going to do anyway. Right. So, so let's, 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 for one, let's think about, you know, we're going to use OKRs and we're going to convert all those goals into all those business user goals into OKRs, like increased revenue, You're going to do those things anyway, even without OKRs, right? Every healthy company will focus on on those on those kind of objectives.
0: Is that something you've seen as well, Roger?
2: Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. It's um, it's quite a common mistake because I think a lot of people are conditioned to um, in organisations to uh, be productive, which is. Absolutely, what you would expect—you know—that's what people are paid for. But that can sometimes translate through into an urge to feel like um, I'm being seen to be busy, and being busy doesn't always translate into being productive. Mm. And so, you know, you see it time and time again where you um, maybe in some of the early OKR meetings before they really got into their into their groove and they're running well, people will turn up with. A list of things that they did last week, and they go through them all, and it's kind of like, yeah, okay, but so what? Yeah. I know that sounds a bit brutal, but um, yeah, I'm glad you've been busy. But what I'm more, more, what I'm more concerned about is what has, what is all that busyness given us? What was all yeah. that busyness delivered us? And and so you know, Bart, you you said that you get asked about uh, how do you keep um, OKRs alive? I think one of the uh, one of the key things to uh, keeping OKRs alive is that they are not seen as this big new thing which gets layered on top of all the other activity which is going on. I think it's about. One of my clients said to me once, "It's not OKRs aren't about doing stuff above the flow. It's about doing things in the flow." And I thought that was a really nice way of putting it because. The, as you were saying, Bart, the activity which which OKRs kind of gets people to focus on, is not activity that hasn't been done before. It is happening. They are, you know, organisations and teams are focusing on growth, are focusing on change, are focusing on transformation in some way. It's just that perhaps they haven't necessarily done it in a consistent and regular way, and so with these conversations that they need to have on a regular basis you've got to make them really short sharp and focused which brings me back to my point that I started with if you have people turning up with just lists of what they did last week you're wasting everyone's time what I want to hear and what I would encourage our clients to to seek out is what is it you have achieved last week what's the result what's the result that you've delivered Mm. And how's that move the needle on the OKRs? That's that's the most important thing, not, not uh, things that you have got ticked off. And that sounds like quite a subtle shift, but actually, it'll have a
0: dramatic difference, won't it?
2: Yeah, absolutely, spot on. Mm. Yeah.
0: Okay, um, yeah. So, what's what's your second biggest mistake that you often see then, Roger?
2: So, um, okay, again, this is I think because organisations have been very conditioned by practices that have gone on for decades, particularly around how objectives have been used previously and the fact that I think objectives have been very much in the domain of of, of HR um, under the banner of performance management for many years. And we see an urge to still to some degree retain that hierarchical structure to how they are set. I mean, I I don't know about how you feel about the term, but I I actually always flinch a bit when somebody says, we need to get better at cascading our OKRs. And I'm just like, (laughs) oh, that to me is a terrible phrase to use because cascade means, to me, that just implies they flow down from up up high. From the Lord um, Almighty. yeah, exactly, <laughs> and 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 it's something I'm receiving whether I like it or not.
0: Yeah,
2: yeah. Um, and and that to me does not feel like a very participative or empowering uh, scenario. And so, but unfortunately, with the way that hierarchies are set up, inevitably you have people above others, and so that implies a degree of status. And with that. If you try to overlay your OKRs onto a hierarchy, you can end up with people who perhaps are experts, um, who are within the organization but not at the top of it on the organization chart, on the hierarchy, um, who may have an incredible contribution to, a, to, to make to, to a high-level OKR, but because they're not at that high level in the organization and they don't have the status, that could actually be a barrier to them either being invited or sticking their hand up and saying, actually, I could make a difference with that. So what we try and do is we're trying to get clients to think of their OKRs as a network of goals rather than a hierarchy of goals. So you have at the centre your, your 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 vision and your strategy, and uh, and and from that your priorities, which translate through into, obviously your 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 um, uh, uh, typically your twelve month OKRs, and then from um, and then, uh, spreading out from those twelve month OKRs, you then have uh, further nodes. Which, which represent the, uh, uh, the 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 next level, which would be, you know, perhaps three or four month OKRs. So you're y- you're seeing yeah. a dissemination out from the centre rather than a cascade down from upon high. Yeah,
0: because I think what it's worth saying though is that those those next la- next layer of OKRs doesn't necessarily translate directly onto you know the C-suite or the senior leadership team. It translate Correct. onto where the strategical priorities are for the business. Yeah, absolutely. Not just yeah. cascading down a hierarchy of, of staff. Yeah,
2: yeah, that's a really good point. Because if you stick to that hierarchical thinking, then you kind of inevitably. And again, I don't know whether you see this, Bart. Please do. You know, and, and uh, tell me if you see otherwise. But I often see where they where they're still stuck in that hierarchical mindset. They they push the OKRs down through functions. And you don't see much cross-functional working, which is certainly what we see as a massive benefit of OKRs.
1: Yeah. And and, and companies still keep all the silos intact. Yeah. And I think I think there's a huge opportunity that companies miss if they use OKRs by just um, putting them on the report direct reporting lines that they have in the organizational chart. And I think if you use OKRs, you can use it also to transform your organization to a more flatter organization, to a more network-based organization. Um, and indeed, if you if you design your OKRs in such a way that they um, are aligned with your uh, value streams, then you get those cross-functional teams uh, more naturally.
0: Mm. Yeah, I think you used a great term there, which is with value streams. Um, can you just sort of expand on that term for us a little bit, Bart? Because that might be a new one to some of our listeners.
1: Yeah, sure. Yeah. So especially uh, product, comp- well, all companies have um, a stream of value for their customers. And so. Um, it originates from, from, uh, from the lean thinking movement. Eh? So where you have a factory where you receive an order and at the end of the, at the end of the value stream, you have a finished car or a finished product. So, and there are a lot of value adding activities that, uh, that all the departments, every function needs to do in order to get that product out of the door. So, um, that is, that's called a value stream. Right. Um, but if you design and and, and that's, that value stream has hopefully a certain outcome, huh? so that, that impacts customers. So if you design your OKRs on them, uh, on on based on the value stream, then people and functions need to work together to um, move the needle on your OKRs. So um, and and that's. I think there's another term. It's called shared OKR, uh, where you have multiple functions working on, on a common goal. Yeah. And I think that's 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 that's. I think this is nice. Um, um, yeah, and I think if
0: you if you look at you know some of the most famous successful companies, I'm thinking Spotify, Spring Out. Uh, you know, they work in those matrix squads anyway, don't they? And that's all about you know making sure those value streams are delivered in the most efficient way possible.
1: Yeah, indeed. Yeah. So, um, but if you if your organization doesn't work like that just yet, then I think OKRs can be a, a nice accelerator mm. um, to move into those kind of organizational structures where you have cross functional teams and a more autonomous teams. Um, yeah. So, and I think Absolutely. if you if you still if you if you use OKRs and you still keep all the functions intact then I think you miss this opportunity also to transform your organizations towards this uh, cross-functional teams, if of course applicable, and not not every organization uh, needs to transform to this kind of
2: structure. Koan is a purpose-built solution for managing your OKRs, helping your teams achieve their objectives, getting them aligned, and absolutely helping them stay engaged. Sharing spreadsheets simply doesn't scale when you're trying to grow a business. With Coan, you can scale OKRs across your entire company whilst keeping the teams motivated and moving in the right direction. Now, Lawrence, there's lots of things we love about Coan, but tell me one of yours.
0: So, I've got to say, one of my favourite things is that Koan just allows you to have a bit of fun with the OKR process. Yeah. Um, in in series two, I think it was episode three of this podcast, we actually <laughs> spent about half an hour, forty minutes, talking about the importance of making OKRs fun for your team. Yeah. Um, and Koan allows you to do that perfectly. Yeah. You know, even just things like adding a, a gift to to your reflections adds some real personality. And I think I probably waste far too much time each week looking for the perfect gift, to be honest. But it, it allows that fun throughout the organization. And that's something that's really important if you're going to keep people engaged.
2: You are known for having the best gifts Thank you in, very much. in the team, definitely. <laughs> so if you would like to find out more about how to make OKRs fun uh, whilst using a great system, then pop along to uh, Koan, that's K-O-A-N dot Co forward slash Giants, where you'll find also a great paper that we co-wrote with them on how to build accountability and collaboration using OKRs.
0: I would say, you know, nine times out of 10, there's going to be some benefits to it. And I'm sure you, yeah. you would agree yeah. with Bart's points there, Roger.
2: Yes, I would. Very much yeah. so. Yes.
0: Okay, nice. So this brings us uh, quite quickly onto um, the the number one mistake that we see businesses making, and um, amazingly, you both gave me the same answer when I asked, when I asked for this. <laughs> and this is all about um, a lack of focus with OKRs and basically just using too many of the damn things, right? I mean, Roger, what's your experience with this?
2: Yeah, this is where eagerness can get the better of people. Um, you know, you, particularly if you're working with a leadership team, and, you know, people are not going to be on that leadership team, certainly with the organizations that I'm sure, you know, you and I both work with, but if they're not ambitious. And that usually translates through to um, <clears throat> a, a huge appetite for creating uh, OKRs. Mm. And, uh, yes, they often end up with too many. Um, and sometimes... It depends on the on, on the team we're working with and we kind of gauge it. Some of them are perhaps um, happy to be kind of uh, challenged and whittled down at the, at the setting stage. Others prefer to kind of let themselves run with the first three months mm. and then learn from their kind of, uh, <laughs> that their eyes are bigger than their belly, so to speak. Yeah. Um, but um, yeah, I mean, I don't think I have worked with, a client that has, certainly at the setting stage on the first pass, tried to set a huge amount of objectives. <laughs> yeah, mm. yeah. So you, you've got an interesting philosophy
0: on this, Bart, do you want to tell us about it?
1: Yeah, I'm a little bit more aggressive here. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, um, and the reason for that is that OKRs are all about focus. And extreme focus, like uh, Christina Wodke, uh calls it radical focus in a, in a startup context. And um, I translated that also to, to larger uh, organizations where you have like a single OKR, a uh, single objective and a couple of key results um, for every 90 days. And, so, and that's on all levels. So that's on the company level, that's on team level. Uh, so in all levels in the organization, every 90 days, you only have a single OKR um and i think the first time that i will say this to customers is like are you crazy we have too much stuff to do (laughs) uh (laughs) we have too many priorities um or um they've been advised by a um, large consultancy a, a strategic consultancy firm um and they have just a whole bunch of objectives for that quarter or maybe for for the year um and i think there's some legacy left still from um, the balance scorecard um, where you have multiple perspectives on strategy. And then the idea is that you develop uh, fr- from each of those perspectives. So from customer perspective, perspective finance perspective, uh, process perspective, um, you develop objectives and key results. So you end up with at least four or five of those, those objectives. Mm. Um, so, but if each of those objectives has a couple of key results and then you're going to invite all teams, uh, all departments to contribute to those uh, objectives, yeah, there's always a baseholder <laughs> where you can actually put your thing. Um, but also, and that also ties back into the business as usual, all those things, um, uh, the, um, we want to increase profit, we want to uh, reduce costs, uh, we want to uh, improve processes. These are things that you're going to do anyway, right? So I think they strongly uh, belong to KPIs. And so this is stuff that you're going to do anyway, and it's really important to measure them and to to keep an eye on them. Um, but this is stuff that you that, that belongs in, in in KPIs. So instead, ask a question like if every um, if every um, if if the if the business is continue to operate as it is now, um, it probably will achieve all those those things anyway. So, um, mm. what do you want to do differently? That makes all the difference um, to what you want to achieve in the near future. Uh, so, based on your strategy, and I think the most most difficult thing in strategy execution is changing people's behavior, right? So. Um, And there are two types of behavior changes that that, that the company um, wants. One is they want to change customer behavior because there's something wrong with the product or maybe they want to have better user engagement or the customer is not uh, behaving in a certain way that, for example, increases profits or increases growth. Um, Or internal employee behavior needs to change. So rather than focusing on... Uh, all the stuff that you can do um, from this and looking from this different perspective, what's the one objective that will change everything? What's the one objective that uh, focuses more on changing the way how people behave? And, and again, that can be either customer behavior or, or internal employee behavior. And if you, if you put it like that, then there's only one thing. And so you can only focus on one behavior change aspect Per ninety days, otherwise it's too much, right? You can't you can't change too many behaviors, even with customers, uh, at the same time. So this is where uh, OKRs come in, and this is ties also into into out more outcome thinking. Eh? So because all outcomes are actually changes in behavior. Um, so uh, and it's also easier to capture. Then it's, it's, it's easier to to come up with good uh, measures for your key results. So at the company level every 90 days think about what kind of behavior change do you want either in your customers or in your, uh, or maybe even in your employees and mm-hmm. if you use okrs for this kind of purposes then i i think you can do wonderful things i think <laughs> this is this is what you can this is this is the stuff that you get that that you get closer to the 10x to your 10x goals uh, mm-hmm. for example look at the youtube um that they have this this uh, four year uh, long okr and um one of their key results or well they call it objective but actually a key result, uh is um one billion hours of watch time per day right so that key result one billion hours of watch time per day or they call it objective but i think it's still a key result but yeah
2: um mm, great one billion
1: <laughs> one billion hours of watch time in order, to, in order to get there, customers need to change their behavior. And I think everybody understands uh, or everybody uh, now is familiar with this auto, auto replay or autoplay functionality in YouTube. This was one of the features that I've implemented to make sure that this behavior uh, is increasing. And I think uh, this is just a, just one example, of course. But if you're focusing on, on, on this behavior change, I think you can, do, you can achieve massive things. But it's really difficult
2: for people to think like this. Yeah, the, the angle of behavioural change is an interesting one. Um, I mean, I, I I agree that there is a, there's a whole, I think, cultural shift which needs to take place if OKRs are to be really, really successful and genuinely feel different to what's gone before where objectives have been concerned. Um, and, uh, yeah, uh, the the so so let me ju- can i can i just ask a question just to, just to get really clear on this you know that what's the one thing um that you want to focus on each for each 90 days so uh, you're saying that the uh, you that uh, you believe that the the business should set a new uh, uh, uh one thing you know a new priority um every 90 days that's what you propose is it
1: yeah yeah Right, and of course, this is aligned with the overall strategy. And so, mm. uh, if, if still companies and leadership teams that want to do so a little bit more upfront planning, and that's fine. And so, for mm. example, if they want to do more up, upfront planning, then maybe develop four OKRs for the whole year, and then only focus on one for that particular for one one per quarter. Um, but yeah, you still
2: do one at a time. So, what's your mm. thoughts
0: on that, then, Roger?
2: I'm just well. If I may, I just want to ask ask Bart another question on that. I mean, what what do you advise a client to do when they perhaps they choose their one thing, and they're they're you know a, uh, a couple of weeks in, but then something arises that's either a significant opportunity or a significant threat that they cannot wait until the end of that particular quarter. Um, either they have to drop that one thing that they originally had and take the new one as the one thing, or that they end up with two things. What, what's what's what, what's your what's your advice in that in that respect?
1: Yeah, I think it depends. So if you if you really want to focus, that that I think. Focusing on those 90 days is is really powerful, um, and then when something new a new thing pops up, then you need to decide. Of course, if it's if it's uh, something that is out of your um, sphere of influence, uh, then you need to make the decision. Like, is it so important for our company? Yes or no? Then we need to then we need to uh, then we need to leave maybe the other OKR. But I think then you you miss an opportunity for learning, and OKRs is a learning. Uh, Journey. So at the end of the quarter, you learn from your OKRs um, and then continue uh, to the next one. But of course, um, I also have customers that had, you know, during the Corona crisis, uh, they said like, you know, things are changing so fast. Uh, Things are new. Things are popping up. We need to have a more rapid uh, feedback cycle. So I know some customers, they went for a monthly cycle. So they only they only focused on those behavior changes like every ninety days or sorry every thirty days instead of ninety mm-hmm. days. So that's another another way. To, uh, of course, it depends on how large the organization is. But I think the more larger organizations, um, I think ninety days is just perfect. And then uh, after those ninety days, you can focus on something else.
2: So can I just qualify by large organization to sort of roughly what sort of headcount are you are you calling large there? Yeah, I think I think two hundred plus employees. Two hundred plus, right? Okay, yeah, yeah, because yeah, I, I, you know, what I think for that sort of size of organisation, um, in terms of, and particularly like you said, you know, you work with SaaS companies, um, yeah. which are, you know, which do run at a very fast pace, typically. Yeah, uh, and I, I, I can see how a, perhaps a single ninety-day priority could work in those situations relatively relatively well. Where I think some of our clients would really struggle with that, I'll give you an example, actually. One of our clients is um, uh, um, uh, a, a large corporate down in South Africa, and they have uh, created a a whole te- Well, they've created this organization called the Growth Engine, which is a great name. But within that, they've got strategy and business transformation. They've got innovation. They've got um, sustainability. They've got all these teams that are looking to transform the whole of the organization. And for them to just go with one goal every 90 days would not work. Maybe one per team, definitely maybe one per team but um, uh, yeah they they would not they've inve- they they would they would push back saying we've invested in all this resource so that we have the capacity to move forward on a number of fronts at the same time all right we don't want to overload ourselves and it's you know it's my job to make sure that they calibrate themselves correctly but I think in, in I think as the organisation grows and it's got more resources to perhaps focus on, maybe more than just one objective at the same time. I think they could probably scale up to maybe two or three um, on a ninety-day cycle. That's that's my that's my thoughts.
1: Yeah. So I know organisation that I have twenty thousand employees and they mm-hmm. still have like one or two OPRs at, at mm-hmm. the top level. So um, and of course. This single OKR in every 90 days is on company level, and then of course all the uh, departments and teams that are below they need to think how they can co- how they can link and how they can contribute to the company right. level OKR. So all the teams also have a single OKR, and and sometimes uh, teams are um, they're not be able to contribute to that 90 day OKR because it's. It doesn't make any sense. Maybe uh, it's a more product focused OKR yeah. the ninety yeah. days, and then HR department, for example, can never, or the finance department can never contribute. And I think another mistake is that um, you you just need to accept the fact that you not can always contribute to the single OKR of the company, mm-hmm. and that's fine. And um, so instead, should you not do OKRs? I think that that's something that every company need to decide on mm-hmm. on, on its own. But um what you could also do is that hopefully every team, have its, uh, they have their own uh, mission, right? Yeah. Uh, so, so if they cannot contribute to their company OKR that quarter or that 90 days, then they should focus on their mission and write a OKR for their mission for that 30 days. So... Um, and that they also don't need to wait for the for the big announcement of the company OKR. They can just write it. They don't need to do. Uh, don't need to wait. And I think mm-hmm. it also improves the whole OKR process. Uh, um, so yeah, but I think I still think uh, uh, having this extreme focus on a single OKR every quarter, I think it's really helpful for for most teams. Um, um, but I think the biggest mistake is why there, there are so many many OKRs. Is that most most teams and most companies they just put all the business as usual goals into OKRs. And I think yeah, that's I, a, I think that's a, I think that's the mistake. And yeah. I think you know, yeah. uh, as a software development team, for example, I work a lot with those teams. They they think that all the features that they develop, they, they needs to go in there in OKR. But that's that's no. that's that's wrong because uh, yeah. developing features is business as usual. There's stuff that that's the things that they're yeah, doing I, anyway, yeah.
2: right? So yeah. That's on their road that's that's on their roadmap, right, isn't it you know yeah, that's, and that's, that's a that's separate they, that, that's process what, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah exactly yeah, exactly exactly, yeah, okay so, right. so really OKRs
1: is something that is, okrs is something that that goes on top of everything else what they, what you do. okrs is this extreme focus, and sometimes a team can contribute like eighty percent to their okr. Uh, and some teams, they can only uh, contribute 20% to the OPR. And that's also fine, right? Hmm. Uh, but in the end, it, 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 it all comes down to this behavior change that you want. And this is the most, impor- most difficult thing for organizations to do, uh, changing the behavior of customers or changing, changing the behavior of their employees. Uh, but this is the biggest leverage that you have, that every uh, leadership team has, Um, And I think this is the most difficult thing in strategy execution is actually changing people's behaviors. And I think if you use OKRs for this purpose, and I think OKRs are invented for this purpose, um, then you should not have all those business as user goals uh, framed into OKRs. Um, And and instead, uh, put all those business as user goals, all the things that you want to do anyway, just monitor them with KPIs. Um, And if if one of those KPIs turns red, then maybe it's a good idea to put an OKR in it to fix it. But um, yeah, I think think a lot of companies make this mistake and just put all the business as usual work into OKRs and then you end up with too many.
2: Yeah, Yeah. I can't can't disagree with any of that.
0: Completely agree. (laughs) Fascinating discussion. Um I think I shut up there for about twelve minutes, which is a new record for me so no. you're obviously doing you're obviously doing something right um can you just to round things off you know it's quite a rare opportunity to have i like, think two of the world's leading o k r consultants on the phone at the same time um so I guess one piece of advice from each of you that you would give to any business or business leader that's either just about to get going with OKRs or has maybe just kicked off with OKRs. Because, um, you know, that's the realm that a lot of our listeners are in. So it'd be awesome to get it straight from the horse's mouth
2: from you guys. Okay. Um, well, Bart, you're the guest, so you go first.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I think I think every company, um, large or big, if they want to start out with OKRs, and hopefully um, this initiative comes from the leadership team, then... My advice is always let the leadership team struggle with OKRs for maybe a couple of quarters, uh, focusing on one single OKR. They don't need to publish it maybe even um, throughout the whole company. So they can they can uh, keep it private to their team maybe. Um, but I think um, if you want to roll out OKRs in your organization, um, then you should have um, strong leaders that can uh, act like teachers um, and, and communicate how how a proper OKR setting is done. So I think if leaders first struggle and and and, 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 and um, learn how to use OKRs and learn how of course how to use a single OKR every quarter, um, and they get the, they get the hang of it, then they can um, educate the rest of their workforce. Mm. I think I think. Uh, mm. um, a lot of companies, they, they, they use OKRs, they don't train their, their employees, and they say, like, this is OKRs, this is the, the format, uh, now you go and write your own yeah, without I think, yeah. having any help from, out, from outside. Yeah. So, of course, you don't need to have help from the outside, but I think, if you, I think what's really powerful is that leaders, uh, managers, they know how to write good OKRs and then educate their workforce.
0: Yeah, sure. Thank you, Bart. Um, Roger? Roger?
2: yeah i would say uh just take, just pause for thought at the beginning um give some thought as to how you're going to use your okrs yeah. don't just write them um give some thought as to how you're going to use them what you're going to do with them once you've written them how they're going to uh be kept alive how they're going to continue to have influence for the period that they've been that they're going to be alive for yeah. um, uh, because that is going to require some perhaps changes in routines and maybe even some shifts in behavior. So, um, yeah. And that doesn't just happen just by writing an OKR. There has to be some intentional activity there. So yeah, just give some thoughts as to designing what it is that the OKRs are going to get plugged into.
0: Yeah. Completely understood. Um, uh-huh. gentlemen, thank you both so much.
2: Very welcome. You're welcome
0: fascinating discussion Um, I'm sure the listeners will have taken a lot from that Um, a lot to digest I feel like going to have to listen to it two or three times to be honest Um, (laughs) if you enjoyed the podcast as usual please go onto your um, platform and leave us a review it'd be hugely appreciated Um, don't forget to check out the link in the description to our bonus content Um, and also make sure you're following us on LinkedIn or Twitter because we've started doing live podcasts every month now um and and they're your opportunity to put to the experts that we get on your questions to be answered there and then on on a live discussion so it'd be fantastic to see some more of you joining us for those um and you know we we announce those on linkedin and twitter so look out for that um but until next time stay safe stay healthy and that was
1: another episode of giant talk